Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Point of Convergence. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Dr. Burris. Now, Dr. Burris has over 18 years of experience as the first master certified coach and founding board member of the International Coaching Federation in Switzerland. So she's also been a keynote speaker. She's published books like uh, Managing Brilliant Jerks, Global Leadership. Uh, Now, today, she is the CEO of the excellent executive coaching and is known for fast-tracking leaders to the C-suite and beyond, as well as transforming brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. And we're gonna get into a little bit more about what all that means in just a second here. But before we do that, I will let Katrina introduce herself to us. Katrina, how is everything going today? Uh, wonderfully. And I'm staying very grateful to be on your podcast. So you probably need to know that uh, I'm a Swiss American, so I grew up in Switzerland and Spain a bit and Italy a bit. Uh, and uh, now I'm also an American citizen. So I've been living in the U.S. the last four years. So basically, it's tainted my business approach. I have uh, a mastermind of CEOs of international global leaders. And uh, I like to work in, in environments that are very international that's, you know, after working for the CERN, for the United Nations, for the Nestle's, where you could have a team of people from all over Europe and Asia. Uh, it's, uh, so that's a bit my world. That's awesome. And how, tell, tell us your story. Like, tell us how you came from, you know, obviously, like you said, um, Switzerland in the beginning, and it sounded like Italy and a few other places in there. So how did you, how did you end up here? You know, what was your, your story of uh, coming over from, you know, where you were born to here and how that fits into your business? So my mother's American and uh, my father went to Italy to start up uh, an industry, uh, the seven up industry way back when. And so, um, Basically, they went to Europe, then my parents separated and chased each other around Europe. And finally, they separated and uh, they put us in Swiss schools because we're close enough to Italy, but still far enough. So they have less arguments. So and then um, so I got married to a Swiss as well and not as well to a Swiss. And then when I divorced or separated, uh, I decided I'm American after all, I have an American passport. I pay those tax dollars without fault. So I might as well have the experience of living and working in the US. So that's, that's, and I'm delighted to be here. Well, that's awesome. And so within that now, how'd you, uh, how did you know that this was something you wanted to do, like moving along in that story? So I see you're here now, like what, were you always into this or like, how did this come about? When did you know this was something you wanted to do? Well, you know, I'm, I'm American and Swiss. So I'm always, uh, I, I do have two passports. So when you're not ni fa ni seul, as they say in French, you're not one note or the other. You're always tempted to go from one place to the other. You never completely, you're at ease everywhere, but also nowhere. So you have this itch to try new things and new countries, and especially uh, 
I love the States. I thought it was great to come here and, and, uh, you know, live here. And also I, I find that, um, you know, in the past I came to the States anyway on trips and the States for certain things are ahead of Europe. And uh, as I was a financial analyst in my past life, I would say, uh, for big Swiss banks, I could see like coaching, it was becoming trendy in the US, but it wasn't trendy yet in Switzerland. So to leverage that is how see something coming that will take off probably. So that's how I got into coaching after being in finance and banking. I said, this is it. So even I had a PhD, I had a, two masters. I went back to school to learn how to be a coach and um, coached a lot to become a master certified coach. And break, break down for some of us who don't know, like what is a master certified coach? What goes into that? How do you acquire that um, credential? Well, it takes a lot of years of coaching. Uh, master certified coach is about 2,500 hours, excuse me, 2,500 hours of coaching. That means uh, in 10 wow. years from Monday to Friday, you have to have at least one hour of coaching a day. So that tells you how much you got to be coaching. So, uh, yeah. So, and I thought, you know, this is what you link the business world to the personal world and to the leadership world. It's the three big baskets uh, of knowledge uh, that I acquired as well. And then you help people in their business, how to be better leaders, how to be more aware so that they can have leadership agility and react appropriately to the situation and to the person they're leading. So this flexibility, which you find in more mature leaders, and what's interesting is to accelerate that awareness and that ability in younger leaders. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, that makes sense. And you said some interesting things within there of like helping accelerate that stuff. And we can start to get into a little bit more of the, exactly what you do today. But one of the things that I re- really caught my attention about you is this phrase that you seem to have coined of the brilliant jerk, right? Like let's, let's talk about that. Cause you, you have the book, um, you have, you know, that on your email as well. And how did that come to be? Where'd you come up with that? Well, what I found that in companies, they have these brilliant experts or these brilliant scientists that are uh, leading edge in their expertise, but are interpersonally not trained or formed or have a natural ability to lead people. So so that's one reason. The other is I I think I had a brilliant jerk as a stepfather, (laughs) so very smart, but didn't know how to package things in a way that was constructive to a girl at the time I was a girl. So, and then when with time, I realized that His intent wasn't wrong. His intent was good, but he just didn't know how to express it. So that got me interested. How can I help these very brilliant scientists or experts or very good in their field or even in physics like the CERN? How can I help them be better leaders 
uh, and understand the interpersonal, starting by themselves, better understanding themselves so that they can be better leaders. Interesting. So really what you're saying is like people who have those right intentions or they're very smart, they're, they're gifted, you know, they're book smart, but they can't necessarily communicate that to other people in a way that doesn't come off as crass or doesn't come off as rude, or maybe doesn't come off as, Hey, I am the boss. I am telling you what to do because this is the way that we are going to do it. Right. Like that communication aspect and coaching them how to, like you said, package those ideas into a way that people can easily open, understand, and then go execute. Yes. And it's a behavioral change all the more so when the brilliant, it's a brilliant jerk. So the jerk has strong, destructive behavior and how that person is limited in their career as woman or man because of this inability in their interpersonal and how to lead. And as a leader, because often people, companies promote an expert because he's brilliant at the top of the division of the multinational or whatever, and basically has to lead people. And as soon as you have a team underneath you, you can't do everything. You have to work through people. And that takes knowledge of themselves and others. And so I have a process to do that. And uh, since Coaching, everyone calls himself coach today, just about without any particular training. Sometimes you can just open a store and say you're a coach. And even there's schools that say, oh, you take a weekend class, call yourself a coach. So I thought, well, with all this competition and also they're cutting prices, I'll take the most difficult cases. Yeah, because uh, I got the experience. Yeah. And so within that too, now we've kind of identified what a brilliant jerk is. I'm curious when you have somebody like that, and I'm sure it's different from case to case, but where do you usually start to fix that? Like how, what are some of the steps you're taking to correct that action? Cause I know you said a lot of it's behavioral, uh, even going down to like the core beliefs of people. So like, what's your process when you find a, a brilliant jerk and you have to, you know, turn them into somebody who's an inspiring leader. Uh, off. I start, excuse me, <clears throat> first by, uh, because usually I'm called in from outside the company. I try to find out what the boss of this person or the board members of this person, have they talked to the person? Why? Because I am a catalyst. I come from the exterior. And I don't want to interfere with line management. That's their responsibility to tell the person what they like and what they want changed. So I can go and talk to the leader and help them clarify exactly how they're going to say it, what they're going to say and all. I can even help them say between the two of them and be there and lead the discussions to make sure it's not destructive. So that I can do. That's the first point. Then I do a series of psychometric inventories for the brilliant jerk to understand how they think, how they make decisions. Often because they're brilliant, they're, they think that people, because they don't get it right away, are stupid. You know, So uh, they don't realize sometimes they have this gift and they have to be more tolerant to other people. That's the good side of it. Sometimes they've been 
have huge pressure on themselves because from their parents or for them past or these uh, or they're they're immigrants and they have to support the whole family and this is their only hope to sort of integrate successfully in a new culture so there's a huge pressure on this person to perform and that can be uh, very difficult and so when they don't perform or they don't perceive that they perform they can get very caustic because they're only sometimes i mean they can be appreciated for what the results they do not necessarily just for themselves so that's a huge pressure that we need to understand and then so i do self-awareness boss awareness team awareness stakeholder awareness executing the uh, the uh, change behavior and then how to be inspiring and the stakeholder awareness is very important in this process because I do research work within the company to know the culture of the company. Uh, that's, and I bring back also information about the leader in their brilliance and in what would help their career. So that I do this research work and I bring it only back to the person I'm coaching. And so then it's not only me thinking or only that person thinking, I really take the organization. I got a PhD on human and organizational development. So because if you change a person and you push it back in the, the previous environment and people aren't prepared, uh, you know, just imagine, Grant, I come to, I'm really toxic usually, and I come to you, oh, well, Grant, how's your dog? You know, how's he doing? How's your family? And you'll say, oh, my God, what does he want from me now? So you have to prepare. And if they're prepared and you do the same thing, they'll say, oh, he's really trying, huh? So I'll be more lenient. So that's one thing, is the research work. I also uh, do, uh, I research the culture of the company, uh, just so that, because if somebody is, uh, sort, how do you say, pinned as the person that needs to change, but the organization rewards that kind of behavior at, and, or results at all cost, then it's like, bringing a recovering alcoholic back to the bar with his drinking buddies. So, you know, you got to work with the environment and see what is valuated. And that information for the brilliant jerk is also very important. They can agree or disagree, but they have a sort of a mind map of what the culture is. And they'll give, and since they're very smart, usually, yeah, at least the ones I work with, so they get it pretty quickly. What could be limiting their career? And then that's so, so that the last step is also to, or it could be placed in the first step or the last is the culture of the company. And I do research work on that. So I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you a story. So obviously all my client work is highly confidential and I don't share it with anybody. Well, this number two of this international company, uh, I was coaching him and the boss, the CEO of the company called me up and said, Katrina, you've been interviewing everybody. Would you come to my office? Oh, and I said, oh my God, he's going to ask me questions about my client. And that's highly confidential. So I had done the research work. And so I went up to him and I said, would you like to know 10 things about your company that I've noticed? 
and I give him a, a list of the 10 companies. He was so surprised and impressed that he completely forgot to ask me anything about my client. So that just to show you that that kind of research work can really give you incredible information. And you might think, oh, people don't want to talk, but people do want to talk. And plus, you make sure that you have a certain amount of people that you interview so that even if one person doesn't say anything, with time, you see what keeps coming back. It's like becomes the information becomes redundant. And that's when you know you're hitting a, a real point. Interesting. Very interesting. So within that too, now we've learned like how you would address, you know, speaking with a brilliant jerk and having them kind of change their ways. Now, if we're dealing with somebody like that, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, in our personal life, like one way or the other, what is, what's some advice you have for the listeners at home on how to start, you know, changing that behavior, opening that conversation without coming off as rude or without coming off as confrontational? Okay. So for one, you have to distinguish a brilliant jerk from a demanding leader. A demanding leader is someone that has high standards. Okay. So, and, and wants you to um, succeed. So for example, they, they both have a difficult situation. The brilliant jerk sees a problem or a difficulty and will react he's triggered or she's triggered into reacting a sort of caustically without it hits the gut and it comes out and the person they're addressing to feels worse off and usually doesn't have enough information how to do better next time. Okay. So it's like one client of mine in Japan uh, asked this lady to do some work Friday night, you know, Friday night for Monday morning. And uh, so she works all weekend and brings it to him Monday morning. And he, uh, he doesn't even look at it. He continues typing while she's in the room. And then uh, a few days later, he, he throws her paper across with full of red, said, well, if uh, <laughs> next time I won't even give it to you if I have to redo everything. Boom. Destructive. Okay. Uh, and her esteem, even though she worked. So they don't take in, in, in um, account sometimes their effort or their capability. Well, the demanding boss, but it's also inspiring, he will look at the, the results and says, okay, is this person not capable of doing it? Or is this person unmotivated to do it? But that's the leadership agility. How am I going to react in the best of situation. Well, if she's incapable, we'll make the project smaller, more, or we'll give her a mentor, or we'll give her some more training. Okay, but the, the desire is that that person succeeds. Uh, if the person's unmotivated, will they change their attitude towards that person and say, oh, okay, it's a motivational issue. So we'll change and we'll have a heart to heart discussion. So that's, uh, that's one of the things, quickly identify how you feel after an interaction. Can you have enough information that you can do better next time? Okay, yeah. that's... I like that. And, Go on. Yeah, and so the other, I think the other question, and remind me if I, I don't remember, is that you said, uh, so how do you deal with someone that is toxic? 
Okay, yeah. so now we've identified it. Uh, that it depends. So let's say you, you're you're confronted with a toxic leader and you feel terrible and you have no idea how to do better. That's a bad situation. And you take their personal, they attack you personally and they don't talk about the tasks. They talk about you as an incapable person. I'm just, it's reductive what I'm saying, but that's a bit it. So it, you have to think about is this, are you in the way for their success? Is it the fact that you failed and it might look bad on them? And so they are worried of their appearance and their status at the exterior, or, you know, we can all be frustrated at times. It's the, it's the destructive element of it that is, is difficult. So if the person can take it and see that that person is um, not in the best form or shape to express it, their information, uh, then they, the person being victim has to manage that. If it starts to get them sleepless nights, you know, ulcers, absenteeism, um, they better ask for another position or another because that's really affecting their, their health. And it, it, it doesn't, uh, they really have to have a change in mindset and help to uh, address this toxic leader. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. I, I like how you put that because a lot of times the best thing to do is, you know, get out of that situation, right? Like not, not be there. Cause a lot of times it's take somebody like you uh, to get through to that person. It's not going to happen on their own will a lot of the times, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but to wrap everything up here, I do have one more question for you and it's switching topics a little bit. So looking at branding yourself as a thought leader, an industry leader, whatever you want to call it, your advice on doing that, you know, what would your first steps be? How would you go about that? How have you done it for yourself? You know, what would you want people to know about thought leadership? So, um, having a marketing strategy and, uh, using all the venues you can uh, to, first of all, you have to have uh, a process, okay, so that you can talk about it. You have to have case studies, um, experience, and have something to add to that subject. Obviously, you have to be an expert in, in some ways, okay? Uh, and then to become a thought leader is really, uh, is, marketing because people need to know especially in the u.s you know in switzerland i don't have to do as much to be known because it's a smaller country and uh, uh but for example do you want examples sure okay so I, I had a tv show where i i interviewed leaders so there again you are seen with top leaders and you're interviewing them in a very sophisticated studio so it sets the level at the same level. All of a sudden, people that perceive you see you that you're comfortable in dealing with those type of people. The person, the leader that you're with, you have a nice studio, you're, you're doing show business, you're promoting them, you're helping them pro, uh, promote their image. So that is it's sort of, how to say, it levels out the hierarchy, maybe? I don't know how you would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, go to magazines that 
have your target market and propose content. So that's another way I was part of a, in Switzerland, I was part of a magazine and all the content I had on the top leaders, they took and put in their magazine uh, and it was online as well. So, you know, find a niche that the magazine wants and give them content, good content. I had good contacts, contacts. So they were interested in these profiles. That's another thing. Write, write uh, articles. Yeah, write, uh, that's another. And then anyone that wants help in that field, try to do the best you can to help them. Because have an opinion. That's the other thing. You can't just be there. You have to have an opinion so that like you it. push the thoughts further in some ways, like a PhD does research yeah. in an area. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I like that. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone put it like that as have an opinion, um, because that is something that's so like important to thought leadership, right? What do you think? Um, you need to have that opinion and know what you think. And that's a good way to put it, because I know a lot of people kind of want to play it safe and try to make everybody happy. And that doesn't resonate with a ton of people. Uh, you're going to find that you're not going very deep with any one you know, niche or community. It's pretty level across the board. And it's not what we're aiming for with thought leadership. But yeah, definitely. Your opinion, um, what you think is you know, the best for your clients, for you know, your partners, whoever the case is, uh, stick by that. Make sure that you make that known and have people know that you are the one thinking that. So yes, one, you're thinking that and it's based on experience. So mm -hmm. you have examples to give to substantiate your opinion. It's not just theoretical. Definitely. Definitely. And Katrina, um, amazing meeting you today. I appreciate you sharing some of this with our listeners. Where can we get a hold of you? Where can we learn more? Where can we find you at? So at excellentexecutivecoaching.com, I have a lot of free downloads of how to stop um, abrasive behavior in companies. Uh, I'm a podcaster, so I interview a lot of people and uh, on business and coaching in business and leadership. So there's a lot of free content at excellentexecutivecoaching.com. Thank you, Grant. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, go check that out. Uh, get some of those free downloads. Check out what's going on over there. But Katrina, it was a blast today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Grant. It was a pleasure.